We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. The Oklahoma City Thunder win yet another game, this time over the Minnesota Timberwolves, 112-103. to I was joined by Jack Borman live on Locker Room post-game to discuss everything that happened, the upcoming trade deadline. It's in just three days. It'll be at 2 o'clock Central Time on Thursday. Don't forget to join us live on YouTube for the last hour of that trade deadline. That'll be from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock Central Standard Time when the trade deadline window closes. Should be a lot of moving parts for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, a lot of, lot of traction around George Hill. A lot of people are talking about the Clippers opening up that final spot. But we'll be there live to talk to you guys more about how the actual trade deadline unfolds. And without further ado, I will patch you guys over to that live locker room session with Jack Borman. From, from your perspective, just to kick things off here before I actually start talking about the game, um, <clears throat> with, how, with how much Minnesota is struggling, you look on the schedule, you see the Oklahoma City Thunder on the docket. Is this a game that you thought, hey, this might be the one that we pull out a win? Or have you seen enough good things from the Thunder that you thought, you know, maybe these teams are pretty significantly different when it comes to Yeah, you know, I think of it as kind of, you know, judging the Thunder based on whether SGA is playing or not, Um, just because, uh, I mean, he's so, so good as an individual offensively that, I mean, you see it time and time again in these Thunder Wolves games where, um, you know, SGA just every single time that the Wolves kind of get get any type of hope, he just comes in and, and slams the door shut. Um, so, so I don't really think I was ever expecting the Timberwolves to, 
to win by, by a significant margin by any means. I mean, I was expecting them to win <laughs> just because there's such a huge talent disparity. But, but when you've got a guy like, like SGA kind of leading the charge, uh, you know, he just makes everybody around him so much better. And the ball, the ball movement is always so, so good with, with the thunder. So, um, <laughs> you know, when you put those two things together, sometimes you get nights like tonight and, and, you know, <laughs> just nothing goes, nothing goes your way. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I never really expect to, to win a game um, all, all that convincingly when SGA is involved. Sure. Yeah, and it helps too when, I mean, all the guys around him are just catching fire from three. I don't know if you saw. Um, post-game, uh, it was announced that the 21 made Oklahoma City threes is actually the third most in franchise history. So when you couple SGA with the efficient 31-point night with all the three-point shooting um, success that they had tonight, it's, it's one of those games that I don't know, you know, you're, you're probably going to have success regardless of who you're, you're running on the court with, regardless of if it's like Minnesota or like a playoff contender. If you're hitting 21 threes, you're probably going to be okay in the modern NBA. And so, um, you know, looking at some of the other guys on the roster, I know you're, you cover the NBA pretty extensively here, but when you look at the Oklahoma city roster, guys like Isaiah Roby, Teo Maladon, um, Kenrich Williams, like these are not household names by any means. And I always like asking this question um, from a, a non Thunder fans point of view. When you look at the Thunder roster, are there any guys that you've just absolutely. Um, no, I, I don't think there's any guys that I've never heard of. I certainly haven't seen much of Moses Brown just because I know that he was in the G League for um, for, for that whole entire bubble. Um, but I was really impressed with, with what I saw from Moses Brown tonight. Um, I mean, he's just a, a house in, in the paint. I, I think he had like 17 rebounds and probably had three or four blocks tonight too. Um, and, and for a guy that certainly looks like he's north of seven feet, um, just to be, to be able to use his size like he did tonight, um, I think he, he was the guy, especially who stuck out to me that I think really, really could have a brighter future than, than I thought coming in. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's so many guys. I mean, we talked about the sheen that beat on a former podcast. Like there's these humongous guys and Moses Brown was not, you know, a top pick like the beat by any means, but you see these guys that are huge. They come in, um, maybe they dominate the G League like Moses Brown did. You know, he had all those huge double doubles in the G League, and you think, you know, this guy's going to come back to the NBA, and people are going to be his actual size, if not bigger. You know, more talented, more physical, all that kind of stuff. And he's not going to be as good. And ever since he's come back, like with the minutes he gets, he's been a starter these past few games with Al Horford resting, which I want to talk about here in a second. Um, He's been incredible with the minutes he's been given, and I think that regardless of what his ceiling is, I don't think by any means he's going to be a, a long-term starter for the Thunder, but if you can be a backup big, come in and play 19, 20, 21 minutes and get your team you know, 8 to 12 rebounds, regardless of the scoring, I think that's a win. Um, but but I, I mentioned Al Horford, and I want to talk about him. You and I were texting pregame about this a little bit. He's rested in four of the Thunder's seven games since the All-Star break. This is, you know, both nights of a back-to-back. It's not your ordinary rest. He's not hurt. Um, Coach Dignall keeps just saying it's part of his uh, rest and recovery plan with how aggressive this <laughs> Sure this, it is. Sure right, it is, right, right, right. With how aggressive <laughs> this uh, second half of the season is. Like, in, in your mind, is that a clear indicator that the Thunder are at least 
really, really trying to move Al Horford? Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, I think he's certainly reclaimed some of the value that was perceived to be lost around the NBA, um, certainly before the season. Um, and I think the fact that the Thunder were, took him on in, in the manner in which they did um, says a lot about kind of how teams around the league view Al Horford um, as a guy that can still really contribute to a team going forward. Um, you know, obviously he's still got two years of team control um, left and he's due probably like, like I think I want to say the number is like $55 million. Um, yeah, it's 27 right, a year the next. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously that's a tough contract to move and, and, you know, is still a year and change out from becoming a buyout candidate. But, um, but I still think that there's teams around the league that would be willing to get involved in the Al Horford conversation, even if they had him just for a year before flipping him. But I mean, resting a guy four times in seven games and in, in both games of a back-to-back um, is one of two things. It's either you're trying to trade the guy or you're trying to tank. And with the way the Thunder are playing, they sure as hell don't look like they're tanking. And if they are, <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing a bad doing, job of it. They're not doing a great job of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly odd, especially, you know, leading up to the trade deadline. But I'd actually kind of like to see Al Horford stick around in Oklahoma City just because I've really enjoyed what I've seen from him so far this year, um, playing, playing with SGA, um, especially without – you know, being forced to, <laughs> to be playing next to another true center. Right. Um, so, yeah, but and if they don't, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see what the Thunder might look like, um, you know, with a really high, potentially two really high draft picks, um, you know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This this upcoming season, then just having SGA lead the pack will be will be fun to kind of see how he fits in with that. Yeah, and another, another big guy, not that he plays down low too often, but Alexei Pokashevsky... Um, don't know how much of him you've gotten to watch this season. I know you're fully aware of, of who he is. It was part of that um, draft night trade in which Oklahoma City moved up to pick 17 uh, through Minnesota to acquire him. Was that one of your first times seeing him, or have you seen a bunch of him this season? And what are your thoughts on, on the post? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. 
Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I, I, I watched a few of the Oklahoma City Blue games um, just kind of during the day, during class um, on ESPN Plus during the G League bubble. Um, and, and loved how confident he was offensively on um, the fact that he, he, he clearly has the range to pull up from, from well behind the three point line. Um, and is just an instinctive defensive player who knows how to use his length, um, kind of roaming around on the back end, um, pretty well, you know, for, for a guy who, who is the youngest player in, in the NBA. Um, so I, I think he's got a really bright future. Uh, I, I think he's got to kind of learn how to, you know, how to be able to put the ball on the deck and get all the way to the rim, um, just because I haven't seen a whole lot of that from him. And I think he, he's more willing to kind of make an extra pass um, instead of attack a wide open lane. Um, and, you know, as soon as, you know, defenses really start to respect his shooting ability more, um, you know, I think he'll kind of be forced to forced to, you know, grill that part of his game and and expanded a little bit, but, but he is a really fun player. Um, and considering that he, he definitely is a project. Um, it, it's definitely fun to see kind of a, a really, really skilled guy um, have the really long leash just to be able to kind of grow into what the Thunder want from him moving forward. Sure. And yeah. A big part of that is, you know, his frame is obviously extremely wiry. Um, I don't think he has the confidence to take him to the lane and, and bang around with some of the bigger, more physical guys. And that's why, I think it was like 327 NBA minutes before he actually shot a free throw, which is, which is absolutely absurd. Um, but going back to to the game a little bit here, I want to talk more on the Minnesota side of things. And I'd love to hear your perspective on this because it's been puzzling to me. You know, I, I didn't expect Minnesota to be a great team this year, but if you look at them on paper, like they've got a core four of young upcoming guys that literally on paper look awesome. And I know you guys have had a lot of injury concerns. Um, continuity hasn't been there. New head coach. There's been a lot of things that the Wolves had to overcome. But, like, what is the – or there may be multiple. What are the things that, in your mind, you think Minnesota has just struggled with this year to, to – yeah, I think the Timberwolves have really struggled uh, just to, to get consistent play out of guys. Um, I, I think it's been really hard for, for individual players to gain chemistry with one another just because the Timberwolves, you know, the Timberwolves have really struggled with, um, you know, finding consistent lineups that work. And a lot of that has had to do with guys being in, in and out of the lineup. You know, the Timberwolves had their full healthy roster for the first two games of the season and won. Uh, had a nice comeback win against the Pistons and then went into Salt Lake City and, and beat the Jazz. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns obviously got hurt in that game. And 
and they still, you know, fought off the jazz and won that game. Um, and then obviously with towns out, it's just tough for, you know, the Timberwolves to play that style that they want to of a really spaced out floor and have an open lane for guys like, um, you know, Anthony Edwards or, or Jared Culver or Jordan McLaughlin or, you know, whomever to, to drive the lane um, and, and being able and having to play Ed Davis a ton of minutes, a guy who, who doesn't stretch the floor whatsoever, um, just kind of clogged the paint and enforced the Timberwolves to play, you know, a really jump shot centric game that just doesn't fit well with their personnel. So that's why they lost a lot of games early on. Uh, but since Carl Anthony Towns has been back, uh, it, it's been really clear that Anthony Edwards has, has become a much more confident offensive player because that driving lane is opened and there's been more opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and so I, I think that just because there's been a lot of role guys in and out of the lineups too with COVID, um, you know, COVID protocols, and then obviously Malik Beasley gets suspended and then D'Angelo Russell has to have knee surgery. There's just been so much in and out. And, you know, both Ryan Saunders and Chris Finch has spent a lot of time trying to find lineup combinations that work. Um, and by the time they figure out something that works, then, you know, some guy gets hurt or a new guy comes back and that they have to work into the mix. And and I think now just at least having Kat and Anthony Edwards in there has been really helpful for those two just to kind of work on chemistry. Um but but one guy that has really stood out on the bench has been Jalen Noel. Um, you know, really, really good shot creator for himself and for others off the bounce. Um, you know, can shoot the three really well, shot 44% on, on close to eight attempts a game in Iowa last year, um, which has been a bright spot. But other than that, it's uh <laughs> it's been tough. It's been so we've got a lot of Thunder fans on here, so I just want I want you to walk us through the pick situation this year that, that you conveyed to or haven't conveyed yet, but you traded to Golden State and, and the D'Angelo Russell deal. Um, so kind of a two-part question here. One, will you kind of walk us through um, what the protections are on that? And then two, as a function of that, like what is a successful season for Minnesota right now? Because even if you guys you know end up with the worst record in the league, you're not guaranteed to get your pick. Um, I know Wolves fans also want to win games. Like you've got your your young core, and it's it's the time to start winning. Don't want to keep tanking for another year. Like, what is a successful season, and what's the situation with the picks right now? And going, yeah, you know, I think I think that for the Timberwolves, it really depends on who you ask on on what's a successful season. Um, I think you know, what a successful season looks like to me personally is the Timberwolves start winning games. Um, you know, I, I'm really tired pretty much my whole life, you know, since KG's left, it's, it's been putting your hope in, in ping pong balls. Um, and I'm just tired of doing that personally. I, I think Kat and Anthony Edwards showing, you know, chemistry and the Timberwolves being able to win games with offense, I think would be a great thing to see for the rest of the season. And then being able to work in, um, you know, being able to work in D'Angelo Russell into the mix as, as an on-ball and off-ball player, too, um, because he, he's he's really good coming off of screens. Um, and then just having Malik Beasley out there as a shooter. So just creating some type of chemistry, I think, between those four um, would be great. Um, and then and then as for the, the pick protection, so it's, it's pretty simple. So the Timberwolves keep the pick this year if um, if it lands in the top three. And then if it doesn't land in the top three, it goes to goes Golden State this year. Um, and then that's it. That's that's 
that's it. But but if the Timberwolves keep the pick, then it becomes an unprotected pick next year, I believe, for Golden State. Um, so yeah, and then obviously if the Timberwolves have one of the three worst records in the NBA, I'm pretty sure their lottery odds are all the same. It would be a flat 40.1% chance of keeping the pick and, and obviously 60, 60% or 59.9 right. or whatever it is. Uh, that's well, that's, that's good perspective too on talking about the lottery balls and, and how long Minnesota has been in this trench, because I feel like with Thunder fans, you know, since the inaugural season, um, that one was pretty bad. But since then, every single year, it's been, you know, playoffs or championship contender. And there, I think there was one or two years total that the Thunder missed the playoffs. And it's like, I think everyone just assumes there's a slide at the end of the tunnel. You've got SGA as your, your top dog right now. You're going to get all these top picks and rebuild this team quickly. And people forget, like, Minnesota, a few years ago, got Carl Anthony Towns. They were in a similar boat. They had their franchise cornerstone. They get these top picks, and it just doesn't always pan out. I think that's that's a unique perspective. I'd like to hear, you know, what are some of the things that you think have, have kept them in the trenches and not not gotten out and, and the rebuild been successful? Has it been the front office? Has it just been drafting and, and acquiring guys that don't fit? Because that's going to be something that Oklahoma City has got to be really careful about in the yeah, I, I think it's been it's been a number of things. Um, I, I think the the wolves are would have one of I, I would have one of those all time two K teams if you swapped out the player that was selected after them for the player that they selected. <laughs> um, so there's certainly been a lot of those. Um, chief among Steph them Curry, Steph Curry. Yep. Um, Johnny Flynn, <laughs> but, is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was right. It was Johnny Flynn. Um, and then Ricky Rubio was taken after Johnny Flynn, um, I think. And then, or it was Rubio and then Flynn, I don't remember. Um, and then Steph Curry was taken after the one pick after that. But, but yeah, I think for the Timberwolves, it's been a lot of just really poor draft decisions. Um, and then when they have made trades, it's been a lot of short-sighted all-in trades, um, that have really kind of hurt the team and mortgage of the future. Like trading for Jimmy Butler was awesome. I love Jimmy Butler. I still root for him to this day, but, but trading Zach Levine and Larry Markkinen and Chris Dunn for him, not knowing that you would for sure be able to re-sign him to a long-term contract, um, then really has hindered the Timberwolves uh, since then uh, because Jimmy yep. left. And, and obviously, you know, we got Rocco back, which is great, and Dario Saric. Um, and we're able to flip those guys into eventually now what has become Jarrett Culver, Malik Beasley, Wancho, and, and Jared Vanderbilt, which has been a, a decent return, I guess. But it's just kind of kicking the can down the road as opposed to, you know, being able to kind of reload as opposed to rebuild. Yeah, and it's interesting because being a, a smaller market, I feel like you have to swing for the fences sometimes. Like if you can get exactly. a Jimmy Butler, you got to do it. So I, I don't think it was a horrible decision looking back like it's it's something i think they would probably do again if they had the opportunity to acquire a big name guy be a right town or uh, towns and uh zach levine at this point in their career together would be awesome um so pivoting we've got a, a few more minutes here pivoting to trade season um minnesota has been in a ton of reports unlike oklahoma city it um, seems like John Collins seems to be the main guy. I've seen them have interest in a handful of other guys here and there. But what are, what's your take on John Collins? Obviously, their asking price is going to be pretty high, especially with Atlanta being on the win streak that they are. And they say they're going to match you know whatever 
offer sheets are, are thrown at him this summer. Like, at what point is John Collins not worth it for the Wolves? And, you know, guys like Malik Beasley, is he worth trading in a deal like that? I guess what's what's the most you would give up for a guy like John, knowing fully they're going to yeah, I would give up Malik Beasley in a protected, you know, probably a lottery protected first in, in 2024. Um, and, and the reason why I'm confident in that is that I, I think Malik Beasley is pretty close to his ceiling as a player. Like he, he's truly one of the elite shooters in the NBA. And I'm not just saying that to gas him up, but I, I'm legitimately, I legitimately think he, he's been that good as a three-point been- shooter this year. Uh, on high volume, but, but I just, Malik isn't athletic enough to a point where he can really become a dynamic shot creator off the dribble for himself and other people getting downhill or getting to the rim. Um, and he's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Um, because of that, uh, it's been really hard to have him on the floor at the end of games because his defensive liabilities have kind of outweighed his offensive production at the end of games. And, and the way that you kind of have to think about the Timberwolves now with three guys that are kind of all in on and Russell Towns and Beasley is that you kind of have to think about how does a player look on a good team and Malik Beasley on a good team is a guy who probably may not close because of his defense. And and because of that, I'd be willing to give him up for John Collins, who uh, has, has steadily gotten a lot better um, as a defender the last couple of years in in Atlanta. And, and I think the Timberwolves too, with Towns uh, and, and Finch now uh, kind of leading the way they're, they're moving away from a drop coverage scheme. Um, and John Collins is actually a, a pretty, pretty darn good defender when he's able to use his length and athleticism and fly around and try and try and disrupt the flow of the defense. So I, I think it would really balance out the roster trading Malik Beasley in a first round pick for say John Collins and Tony Snell or something like that. Um, and, and I think that, because there's so few teams that actually have the capital to be able to sign John Collins to an offer sheet and have their money tied up for a week, um, that that really plays into the Wolves' favor. And and like you know, uh, it's just much harder to acquire somebody in free agency through a sign and trade um, than it would be at the deadline. So I'm really hoping that they that they acquire Collins. And you know, people say that he's looking for a max. But um, when you look at the financial landscape next year um, and kind of what teams such as the Thunder or the or the Mavericks who could feasibly sign him to an offer sheet um, would think that they'd want to save their money for next year. Um, so, I, so I don't know that the Collins would get uh, anything really. Totally. And walk it back a step here, too, because uh, Malik Beasley was acquired around the trade deadline last season from Denver. So if you take it back a step, um, you'd essentially be trading whoever you traded uh, formerly Beasley, which if my memory serves me correctly. You guys didn't give up much to acquire Beasley. That's right. So we kind of, it was kind of a cluster trade. Four-teamer? Uh, with the, with the, yeah, so it was the Hawks, the Rockets, and the Nuggets, and the Timberwolves. So I, I don't know off the top of my head exactly what they gave up. I know that the Nuggets ended up getting – um, I, I think they got a first round pick from the Rockets and then they got like Kata Bates, Diop, Shabazz, Napier. Um, and then they might've gotten some other players that, that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Um, but I think that they just kind of wanted to send out Malik Beasley and that they just weren't interested in retaining him and restricted free agency. Um, and as a result of that, you know, pretty much just, let him let him go. Yeah. Um, 
it, it wasn't much like you were saying. That, that's that's kind of it's like the way th- the people in, in the Thunder organization think. I feel like it's it's always like the trade tree, looking back at you know how you got this guy to get this guy, and it's it, and how really could think, you not with your right. trade trees? <laughs> no kidding, Sam Presti's a wizard. But if you, if you think about it, giving up almost nothing for Malik Beasley and then just tacking on a lottery protected first round pick makes the the pill a lot easier to swallow than thinking about actually trading Malik as part of a John Collins trade. Um, anyone else that, that I mean, it's going to have to be a, a smaller deal, you would assume, if, if John Collins um, was acquired by Minnesota. I don't know how much more they would look to do at this deadline. But any other names out there uh, worth watching for? Yeah, I think Norman Powell is one to keep an eye on um, because he uh, – you know, I don't know if people in here are listening to the podcast know, but Chris Finch was an assistant for Toronto and he was kind of the head man for their offense. He was their offensive coordinator this year before he was signed by the Wolves. Um, and Norman Powell is, is having a career year uh, this year playing in that style of offense. Um, he's got career highs in, in scoring, but in field goal percentage and three point percentage uh free throw percentage and the number of threes he's making too. Um, and he's set to be an unrestricted free agent this off season. Um, I believe since they'll likely decline the player option that he's got um, and could be a, an opportunity for the, to the, for the wolves to get a look at him heading into free agency. And who knows, maybe he'll want to stay playing in Chris Finch's offense if the Timberwolves are, are willing to back up the Brinks truck for him. But, um, but since it's unrestricted free agency, obviously you're taking a risk um, and it would be rather tough, I think for the Timberwolves to come up with a deal that didn't include Malik Beasley in it. Um, but, but who knows? I mean, the Timberwolves have a really creative front office in terms of trading and they could always find a third team to help facilitate that deal. But, um, but he's another one I've seen the Timberwolves be linked to and one that I think would make sense um, just because the Timberwolves need, you know, shooting wherever they can get it. Sure. Okay. And then flipping it, Back to Oklahoma City, we'll go kind of rapid fire here because I don't want to get in, into this rabbit hole because I could talk about this all day long. <laughs> but I'm going to give you I'm going to give you three guys that that I would consider most likely to be traded from Oklahoma City. Um, you can be specific and give me a real live trade machine here. You can be more generic and just say you know second round pick or a young player in a first round pick. But I'm going to give you a name and I want you to tell me what you think since you're unbiased outside the market what you think their value is around the league, okay? All right. So we're going to start with Al Horford. He's got the, the horrible contract. If he were to be traded, you know, I think Sam Presti's fine getting anything at this point since he was given assets to take on Al Horford. Um, you know, obviously it's tricky, but but what kind of deal did, did, does Al Horford uh, I think Al Horford at this point would probably – get you, you know, expiring veteran contracts in, in a second round pick or two would be would be my guess. Fair. Okay. Moving on to Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala, I think, gets you a late twenty twenty two pick, um or excuse me, a late second round pick um uh, in the future as kind of a thank you for taking on a player that helps it, another team get under the luxury tax. Yep. I totally agree that I think late second is is the ceiling that you're going to get for him. Um, last one here, I think probably the most attractive based on production, what he brings and his contract is actually tradable. Um, and I think I think this is a, a wide variety of answers here. Like I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, on one side of the spectrum or the other. But Jordan, 
Yeah, so I ultimately think George Hill is going to get traded to Clippers. Um, and knowing that the Clippers owe their entire soul to the Thunder <laughs> at this point, um, I don't even know what the Thund- what picks the Clippers have to trade. I would think that they would have you know a 2027 pick swap available because they owe you, what, through 2025 yep. or 2026? So if it's through 2025, I think that they could – I think George Hill could get a 2027 first-round pick um, just because I, I – feel that strongly in George Hill's ability to kind of help take the Clippers over the hump. Um, but yeah, I, I would say late first round pick or solid veteran in multiple seconds would be my, would be my thing there. Yep. Totally with you. I think, I think uh, a contender giving up a, a first that'll likely be late or, um, you know, far enough down the road that no one really knows or a couple of, of solid seconds would definitely do the trick. Um, well, cool. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Jack, go ahead and tell our, our listeners live here on Locker Room and also for those listening to the podcast after. Where can they Yeah, so they can find my work. Uh, everything there is on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at jrborman13. That's J-R-B-O-R-M-A-N-13. Um, and I write for Candace Hoopers, which is the Timberwolves um, scoreboard nation site. And, and you can find my work online there at CandaceHoopers.com. Cool. Thanks so much. We've got a couple more days till the deadline. Lots going to happen. We'll talk to you guys soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.